Jingophilia. You won't admit you love me, and so. Hello, fellow Anglophiles. Welcome to Anglophilia. I'm Kaylee McMahon. I'm Stephanie Callis, and this week we are going to be discussing the sexy masterpiece that is coupling. I'm so excited. Let's get some admin out of the way. Mm -hmm. Coupling premiered in the year 2000 and ran for four seasons. It starred Jack Davenport as Steve Taylor, Sarah Alexander as Susan Walker, Ben Miles as Patrick Maitland, Kate Isitt as Sally Harper, Richard Coyle as Jeff Murdoch, and Gina Bellman as Jane Christie. The series was written by Stephen Moffat and co-produced by Moffat and his wife, Sue Virtue. The show is roughly based on Stephen and Sue's actual courtship, including the private conversations they'd each have with their friends regarding their sex lives. Due to the fact that coupling is about six young people who live in a big city and occasionally screw each other, the show has been compared to Friends, but coupling does a much filthier job of exploring the subjects of love and dating. From there, I think we're gonna just, uh, dive right in. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. I think you may have been the first person to introduce me to this show. I'm sorry. Or at least someone no, it's not. <laughs> someone in our group of friends or in our Britcom club was like, oh my god, you guys have to see Coupling. It was Veronica. It's like, Veronica introduced. It was probably Veronica. Yes. Yep, yep. <laughs> and basically the consensus within our friend group, except I did not agree with this consensus, was it's like friends, but it's so much funnier and better and edgier. And yeah, the whole three guy, three girl always hanging out in a public place, whether it's a bar or a coffee shop, I see how the setup is is a little friends-like, but to me, I would actually like to talk about American equivalents right off the bat, because to nail down the tone for anybody who hasn't seen the show, I have two different comparisons for this. One of them is Sex in the City, you know, for something that's ostensibly about sex that have ridiculously conservative attitudes about things like masturbation and bisexuality and farting in front of a man and all of these dumb rules and like non-issues that are analyzed to death as if they matter at all. The other one is How I Met Your Mother. Oh, completely. Because How I Met Your Mother sort of follows the Friends model, but again, because it was created and written by men... There's so much pervasive casual sexism. Mm -hmm. And like with Sex in the City, there's this sort of, you know, there's something very attractive to teenagers, you know, who, who've never had sex or lived in a city about like the carefree world of these infantile quote unquote grownups having lots of fabulous sex all the time and no responsibilities and almost no consequences. And it gives kids unrealistic expectations of what adulthood is like. However, you know, I... I really didn't like coupling as a teenager. I actually hated it and I still kind of hate it. And yet, like with Sex in the City and How I Met Your Mother, I've seen every episode multiple times. Clearly, something keeps bringing me back into it and I don't know why. Okay, well, first of all, for the record, I have never really watched Friends in my life, but when you Google the show, you, you do see in every article, like, like Friends, blah, blah, blah. Um, I think coupling is much more like horny Seinfeld. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> horny Seinfeld! Horny Seinfeld, man! You're so true! It's true. It's about fucking... 
fucking nothing. Well, because it has that um that Larry David formula of, oh, here's all this weird farcical stuff that has to fall together so that things are tied up in a pretty bow at the end and you can practically hear mm-hmm. the Curb Your Enthusiasm music come in. Yes. But I was going to say, yeah, I so used right. to watch it all the time at age 16. It made me feel so sophisticated that I was learning all these sophisticated <laughs> things about sex. And, oh, did you know that if you say the word naked in front of a man three times, he gets a boner and has to cross his legs? I fucking wish that were true. My life would be so goddamn easy if there were little life hacks like oh, that. seriously, <laughs> seriously. And, you know, Jane's stupid line about underwear, what's that? Like, I used to think of that shit was how you seduce a man and have lots of fabulous sex with him. <laughs> so, yeah, I thought it was great. Everyone is very cute and, like, they're British and they're getting into all these zany sex situations. It was incredible to me. And... Now that I've watched it for the discussion we're about to have, which I'm so glad I did, I don't know if I ever need to see another second of this show. <laughs> that's that's really funny. Yeah. Again, like I watched it casually, not every episode, when I was in high school, when everyone else was really into it, and I was still like a frustrated feminist who didn't yet have the vocabulary to express the rage that I still feel every day and still haven't yet found the vocabulary to express, and I fully expect that I will take this anger to my grave. And that's a very sad thing. But um, but where the hell was I going with this? Oh, right. But I think I, I rewatched it a few years ago, back when it was on Netflix. I don't know, three or four years ago. I was like, oh, maybe I'll watch Coupling. Maybe it's not as bad as I remember. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, God. And yet, you know, even though I said I never need to watch it again, I'm glad that the characters are in my mind forever and that I can always be reminded of them and call upon them when I need them, you know. It's that kind of relationship. Yeah. Shall we talk about the pilot? Take it away, Steph. (laughs) Well, you have the inciting incident of how they all meet, even though they kind of all go to that bar every day anyway, so you don't know why they've never met before. And then after they become friends that one time, they are never separated ever again. Yeah, (laughs) TV um, friendships are binding, legally binding. They are. But we meet these characters. We meet Susan, who is an Oxford-educated, independent, badass lady who has a degree in economics and somehow ends up dating Steve. What'd you say? Who's not funny. But she's not supposed to be. But but do you see how that's a problem? (laughs) I see how it's a problem that a lot of the other characters who are supposed to be funny aren't funny, but I like Susan. Susan. I don't dislike Susan. (laughs) I just, okay, well, yeah, fair fair enough. Okay. But like, I don't know. She, so Susan and Steve are the central couple of the show. Again, if we're comparing them to friends, it's like Ross and Rachel. But Rachel is actually the funniest character on the show. Actually, Ross and Rachel, I think, tie for the funniest. Like, especially in the later seasons, they're actually funnier than the side characters that are meant to be funny. And I don't think, whereas, like, if you think about Ted and Robin on How I Met Your Mother, who are, like, comedy proof, I think that you should try to err more on the side of friends than on the side of How I Met Your Mother, where you have wooden romantic leads who make me feel nothing. Oh, I don't, I don't disagree, but I, I like Susan. I look at her and I go, you are so capable and wonderful and you're a good cook and you have your own damn job and your own damn life. Why are you with Steve? That is what I feel oh my God, when no, I, I think about Steve Susan. Is so, Steve is so terrible. I like Susan. I she's Steve. she's very smart and she's she's, she's very good at delivering her witticisms. She's hugely clever and lovely and should not be dating Steve. That is no, I know. My... Steve, Steve is the absolute worst garbage on the planet. But the thing for me about Susan, about her not being funny, is that 
especially in her relationship with Steve, she is so often forced into the role of the grown-up because Steve is a fucking infant. And it's the same thing that Graham Linehan and Arthur Matthews were talking about with Mrs. Doyle and how so often in sitcoms, women are forced into being the sensible, mature roles who are just commenting on the absurd behavior of the male characters. And that is exactly what Susan is. And it just breaks my heart that there's potential for a lead role in a sitcom that could be filled by a woman. And she's just reduced to playing mommy. I hate that. It's so stupid. Well, it's, we've seen it before dude, and it's not. Dude, don't forget, Stephen and Sue are Steve and Susan. That's even more baffling because why? Uh, no, I don't Stephen know, Moffat just like wrote a more intense, like comedic character for the character that's supposed to be based on him. Like that's that's all that happened there. No, no, I know. But like whenever someone, whenever a writer bases a character on themselves and that character is the worst character, I'm like, why do you hate yourself that much? Or are you that unself-aware? Which, which is it? That's, I, I, I think it's clearly the latter. Steve is not aware of his own terribleness at all. Okay, so let's talk about Steve Taylor. Well, Steve Taylor is the same sort of misogynist that you would describe Mark Corrigan as being. Unaware of how terrible he is, thinks that because he can sort of exist in polite society with mostly decent manners sometimes, like somehow absolves him of all of the horrible shit that he says and does and thoroughly believes. Um, mm-hmm. Because I get the feeling that we're supposed to be able to relate to Steve the most. Yeah. And I just don't. Steve believes that he is a good and rational man. Because he's he's surrounded by these two other male characters who are sort of more cartoonishly weird or have like maybe more problems with women on paper but I actually think that Steve is the biggest misogynist of them all he just gets a free pass by being like the most vanilla sexist one yeah the thing that I that I hate the most about Steve that I think is probably what the audience is meant to love the most is that he goes on these what I call Steve's righteous man rants it's so true. He has like five of them. I hate them. Where he just goes on these fucking diatribes about these, you know, about men and women. And it's like, we are men. We require a lock on our bathrooms. We don't like decorative pillows. We don't like things that smell good. How dare you? You know, he gets so fucking angry. Like if he, if he got half as angry at like the pay gap or rape culture or any sort of inequality between the sexes as he gets about fucking decorative pillows. He could be a revolutionary and change the world, but he gets so wrapped up and goes on these ridiculous diatribes against like anything feminine. They always follow the sort of st- same structure and you you know that he's mercifully almost done when he gets to the part where he says, so please. And then he'll wrap up his argument. And then the the best part is that as the series goes on, the most humiliating thing about it is that if he's in a room where there are men, the men will applaud for him as if he just said something they've all been thinking for years but haven't been able to open their mouths about it because the women are just oppressing them into silence. Oh my god. (laughs) The one where he's like, the toilet is the last refuge of men. We need our caves and we need to go back and feel blah blah. Like, he actually has the line where he says, when we have conversations, we actually take it in turns to talk. And I'm like, oh, bitch, no. No. Have you ever had a conversation with a man, honey? That is demonstrably untrue. Yeah. And that shit gets applauded by the audience. And I, oh, it it made my blood boil just like when I was a little frustrated 15-year-old feminist. Well, his worst Ah. rant for me, and this is jumping to the end, but he and Susan eventually do conceive a child. 
and <gasps> they're going to like Lamar's classes together and Susan is claiming that she would like to try to deliver childbirth naturally as is her right <laughs> but Steve just takes such like a Offense to this and is calling her like accusing her of being an idiot and okay it's yeah. one thing if he wants to go on a rant about pillows because he's frustrated by the idea of decorative pillows taking up room on his couch whatever one day someone might snap and have that rant same about your girlfriend taking away the lock on your bathroom that's inconvenient arguably inconvenient for both people um yeah I don't understand why it's only a male issue I, yeah I don't yeah. I don't either but yeah for him to get up at like Lamaze class and humiliate all of the women in there like that by screaming about how stupid you could possibly be to believe that your body could withstand the pain of childbirth. That offended me the most because it was not his business at all. It's literally the most mansplainy thing that he does because it has nothing to do with him. The weird thing is that it's the only, it's the only point of his that I actually agree with. uh, But I also understand how it's not his place to make that point. And there is a time and a place to express that opinion. In a Lamas class surrounded by women and your pregnant girlfriend or fiance, not not there, no, Steve. No, beca- oh, because I feel like it's totally within reason to say, I'm going to be so worried about you on that day. I'm going to hate to see you in yeah. pain. Are, are you sure, sweetheart? As opposed to, yeah. you're out of your mind. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. We'll come back to the whole pregnancy thing because there's so there's much so to much unpack there. in that god-awful so last there, season. But... But yeah, we've given you a little taste of Steve's awfulness. Uh, so that's the main couple. <laughs> that's the main couple. Susan's best friend is Sally. Her beautician. Who I used to like a lot more than I did this past time. I still really like Sally. I think that Sally is the funniest and best woman on the show. I understand how she's very problematic because she's very one-dimensional and she's so insecure. She's such an over-the-top caricature of a woman who is really wrapped up in, you know, the beauty myth. Places a lot of value in her currency of youth and beauty. And, you know, it, it makes sense given her profession and it makes sense given her being raised in a really toxic patriarchal society, blah, blah, blah. But to me, she's also the only female character on the show that actually ever makes me laugh. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess she's the only one she that ever by default. makes me laugh as well. I mean, then there's Jane, who also just has the one-track mind and is not multidimensional at all. She's the the nympho who she's only like ever crazy, thinks or talks though. about sex, and she's kind of insane. But I don't know. Watching it this time around, I'm not sure if I'm actually more offended by Sally or Jane. I kind of wonder oh. if the stereotype of the woman who needs to be reassured of her every move is more damaging than I'm kind of a dumb nympho. It's not just that Jane is a dumb nympho. It's that she's legitimately a sociopath. I'm just going to read this note that I wrote on the first page of my notes where I said, kill Jane, kill her dead, kill her now. I'm one scene in. Wow. She's so obnoxious. And I don't understand. So the the way that we meet Jane is that in the pilot, Steve is actually going to be breaking up with her. Mm -hmm. They've been together for four and a half years, which... I mean, clearly Jane is in love with Steve and like, whatever, that's that's her problem. But Steve doesn't seem to like Jane at all. No. And I'm just like, you fucker, how could you drag this woman along and, you know, string her along for four and a half years when she's like, you know, around the mark of 30? Like, not that that's a huge, oh, no, now my life is over. But like, there's some stock to be put in that. I just, 
he's an unforgivable douchebag and I hate him with every fiber of my being. Maybe he and Jane do deserve each other because they're both the worst. So in the pilot, he is trying again and again to break up with Jane and he's telling his best friend, Jeff, who will, dis- will we will discuss more, but this is a conversation about Steve and Jane. So Steve is saying that he keeps failing at breaking up with her because every time he attempts to do it, she ends up tempting him with sex. Mm-hmm. And Kaylee, I mean... I gotta say, most of the relationships I've been in, I mean, I've ended them. And it's a horrible feeling realizing it's something that you want and need to do. And as you are getting into that mindset, at least for me, like the last possible thing that is going to stop me from finishing the very painful task is the idea of fucking because fucking is the furthest thing from my mind. Well, that's because you're a woman and Steve's a man and men have rights and they need to have sex all the time. I know, but but I've also counseled male friends through the feeling of like, oh fuck, I have to break up with this person that I love. What am I going to do? Like it's upsetting for Mm -hmm. me men too. And that is something that I also resent about this show is like, why are you making men look this bad and make it seem like it's something we should all just have to put up with because they can't possibly be expected to be more human than this. Oh my god, yeah. See, this show is so offensive to women for all of the obvious reasons, but it's also so offensive to men because it paints them as just these hapless, helpless, walking boners who are completely not in control of their arousal and their actions. They're just like, oh, oh, now I need to fuck someone because it's been suggested. Like there's, they have no agency in a weird way. Yeah. And it's like, it's so insulting. They're so fucking stupid and one dimensional. Yeah. Except, except for, I don't know. I think that Jeff Murdoch is a wonderful person. <laughs> Jeff is the best and he's the only thing that makes this show watchable. And you say that you're never going to watch the show again. But Stephanie, I know that you're going to watch some Jeff centric episodes again in your lifetime. Maybe just in my imagination. That man is hot. Mark my words. You, you've got like another 50-ish years left on this planet. It will happen. I will bet you. God, 50 sounds like such a long time. Exactly. It's a long time to go without any Jeff Murdoch in your life. Think of that. Okay. Anyway, so Jeff Murdoch, it's funny because in the group of the three, you know, macho fucking men out of Steve and Patrick, the lady killer who only Mm -hmm. thinks about, you know, his dick and says a Mm -hmm. lot of blatantly sexist things. And yet I still feel like he is a lot less uh, damaging and problematic than Steve. Jeff is supposed to be the weirdo who only ever thinks about sex, but in a very sort of neurotic, damaged, awkward way, which makes him the most human because sex yeah. is awkward and mystifying yeah. and you do get it wrong and memories of times you've gotten it wrong do haunt you and mm-hmm. Jeff is the only one who will openly talk about like how much he loves and practices masturbation. Yeah. That's a normal thing to do and it makes him the most relatable because he's getting yeah. things wrong the way that we all do. Exactly. He's the only character who is consistently funny and consistently like vulnerable and human. He's got all of these weird sort of perversions and Steve is always shaming him for like having a name for this weird phenomenon or for thinking so much about naked women or whatever. But like it somehow isn't threatening or insidious because he's such a failure. Like again, if you think about How I Met Your Mother and the character of Barney Stinson played by Neil Patrick Harris, he's, I mean, obviously we all love Neil Patrick Harris, but the character is really toxic and really problematic because he is sort of like a combination of Jeff and Patrick where he's a lady killer and he has sex with so many women and he takes 
takes advantage of them and does these horrible things. And he, like Jeff, he has these little like coinages of these different phenomena within dating. And he's always like coming up with these ways of framing the world. And coming from Jeff, it's not creepy because you know that it's coming from a place of desperation and failure. Yeah. Like, I don't ever feel like Jeff is actually going to be, you know, chopping up women and keeping their body parts, even though that comes up in several conversations that he has while trying to chat up pretty ladies. It does. It does. Well, and also when Jeff finally succeeds in finding a girlfriend, he does Mm -hmm. go for like an intelligent, independent woman who is superior to him professionally and Mm -hmm. is not at all like a, I don't know, human sex toy. She's like a wonderful, strong-willed smart lady yeah no jeff is the best jeff is the best and then you know i did touch upon the presence of patrick who we meet in the beginning and he and susan are actually fucking though not dating exclusively unbeknownst to him and then yes within that episode steve and jane eventually broke up and susan and steve get together and then sally immediately swoops in on patrick which i found very weird here's something that's the weirdest thing for me and it took like a season for me to realize this but sally initially can't stand patrick because he's a pig and also because he's a tory and sally is very you know into liberal politics um so like yeah that makes sense don't date someone like that but then when susan drops hints that he's massively endowed suddenly sally is so interested and she can only think of having sex with patrick and all she wants is patrick's giant dick right yes but then later on in the episode jane and the truth snake it is revealed that sally seems to have a fear of penises because she has like a recurring nightmare about giant dicks or something like that i forget exactly what it was being criticized by a talking penis was that what it was? That's what it oh, is. That's different. Being criticized. Yeah. Oh, okay. I I may have misinterpreted that. It seems to me that she had like a little bit of a phobia around phalluses. And I was like, that's interesting because then why is she so hell-bent on bedding Patrick and his massive schlong if that's a source of fear and anxiety for her? Got it. No, she does. But but maybe I'm, okay, I'm, mis- I'm misremembering Yeah, that. she does say I'm being criticized by a talking penis. And okay. then it's, you know, took me six months to stop having that nightmare or, or something like that. Oh, that's interesting because being criticized by a talking penis, that's basically... Like she's dreaming of Patrick. Patriarchy. Yeah. Oh, that's true. That's true. But there are some interesting inconsistencies in the show. They sort of back themselves into a corner repeatedly. Like there's an episode in season two that opens with Susan and Steve watching some kind of nature documentary, which is apparently about human beings. Because, (laughs) Because in the documentary, they talk about how human adult males continue to masturbate, even if they are in loving monogamous, you know, sexual relationships. And there's this like awkward silence that falls between them as it's like, dun, 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 does Steve still masturbate even though he has sex with me? And, and yet Kaylee, in like episode two, there is reference to how Susan has not only fucked Patrick, but also briefly dated Jeff. And both Patrick and Jeff tell Steve, when you go to Susan's house, check out her remote controls. And Uh. it's revealed that Susan has like a five foot long fucking vibrator that takes up like all these batteries which amazing i love you susan i am glad that you could somehow take a five foot long dick um but it's like okay so clearly she continued masturbating while she was dating jeff and patrick so see this is why i don't like susan because she's you see you were saying like oh i like susan because she's an independent woman or whatever but to me she's like a caricature of the critical nagging harpy girlfriend who doesn't want her boyfriend to have any fun and who is really hypocritical on a lot of matters like in the episode where 
she's so upset about her boyfriend masturbating. She compares sex to cooking and she says, you know, I pride myself on my cooking and I don't want him, you know, nipping out for fast food, whatever. And like, there's a difference between priding yourself in your cooking and insisting on being charged of absolutely everything that another human being puts in their mouth. And like, if the genders were reversed here, and in real life they often are, where like, a man forbids a woman from masturbating or having any sort of sexual gratification without his involvement, that would be abuse. No, of course. And that's yeah. true. And that's, I wasn't trying to say that Susan is without flaws. I just feel right. that when I do look at her and I see her interacting with her wastoid boyfriend, I get confused about that. But no, yeah. she's got plenty of beliefs that she holds that kind of leave me really confused as, as well. Yeah. But yeah, that sort of inconsistency is something that the show sort of does to itself quite a lot like like how yeah. I mentioned at the top they are in this bar every single night how have they not <laughs> all met until now and now that they yeah. have met everyone outside bar. of that circle of friends just completely disappears yeah did Jane never have any friends before this I just don't understand why the women continue to hang out with her because none of them like her. She's a threat because she's still kind of into Steve and it's hinted that she will never really get over him and is still kind of maybe trying to get him back. And like, why would you, as the new girlfriend, continue to hang out with your current boyfriend's ex of four and a half years, who is a psychopath? Well, why would like, the ex of four and a half years want to be in that situation at all? Well, I think for the same reason that, like, Mark wants to hang out with Jeff. It's the, if, if you can't have sex with the monkey, make friends with the organ grinder. That's true. That's what, I think that she's got her own weird, you know, nefarious reasons for things. But, like, Susan, why, why allow Jane? Like, she says in several lines of dialogue how much she doesn't like Jane. Why hang out with someone that you actively hate? You don't have to. And the presence of Jane can sometimes feel very much like an afterthought, like it's tacked on. There's always got to yeah, be some kind of weird excuse to have all six of them in a room. Like when Susan and Steve are going to be moving in together. Oh, this was another excellent inconsistency. So there's mm -hmm. this whole subplot about how men can't possibly have opinions about fabric. We're just oh not wired that way. We haven't got the equipment. What? Do I, I pick, I pick fabric with my vagina. Little known fact. Oh. I need to rub it all up in there in a fabric store. Doesn't feel bad <laughs> at all, does it? Oh my goodness. What does that mean? We haven't got the equipment. Sorry, go on. I don't know. But um, <laughs> he's looking through these books of fabric samples and he shows them to Jeff and Patrick and they're like, oh, we don't have opinions either. This is just so crazy. But then later in season two, there's this great moment where Sally and Patrick are going to meet up to fuck and he says, we can't go to my place. It's being decorated. Oh. And then you see his apartment and it is decorated out as fuck that man had yeah. an opinion about having like royal blue yeah. walls in no, his bedroom true. that's actually the design on this show is one of the things that i think is kind of fun about it like it it belongs so specifically in the era of the early aughts like it, it, it gives me a lot of nostalgia seeing like the fashion and the decor and everything i really want to hang out in that bar it actually seems super cool oh, yeah. it's quiet it's nicely decorated and well lit and it seems like a, a fun sexy like pg-13 sex club that I wish I could get into. Oh, completely. Those big red couches. But oh, oh man. So Steve, he's also saying like he doesn't have any opinions about decorating. Steve, I noticed in one of the episodes he has a red refrigerator. I want a fucking, where does one get a red refrigerator? And how can you possibly say that you don't care? Did that come with the apartment? I doubt it. <laughs> Is he subletting from a very fashionable gay man? I don't think so. 
Oh my god. But also, why does Susan want Steve to have an opinion about decorating? Like, I don't want someone to come in and be like, oh, let's put up hunting trophies in like brown and beige and gray. Like, no, I I want a girly ass apartment and I want a guy who doesn't mind because he's fucking colorblind. Hey, my older brother's still single and colorblind. Oh. (laughs) Okay, anyway. Bobby um, Caveman. (laughs) Give me a call. Chicken. Um, (laughs) But going back to how like the presence of Jane can feel very, very tacked on. Like, why? Why do all six of them need to go show up at the furniture store to help Susan and Steve pick out the upholstery for the couch that they're going to buy? Because you don't see them all go, all right, we're going to be at the store at three o'clock on Tuesday. Everyone, please come. You just see Susan in there and then you see that everybody else just kind of trickles in. And the same thing happens in that episode in season four when they're all on that big, like, conference call like they're all dialing each other in but you can see how they're all dialed in because you've got susan and sally on the phone and then their Mm -hmm. respective male partners each pick up the phone so they're listening in but then jane walks into one of their apartments and is somehow on the call as well but she's on her cell phone how did she patch herself into that phone call because she's a stalker and there's so much that we don't know about her i feel like there's a lot of shady shit going on with that character that we just we're only getting the tip of the ice well i would love to hear more about it i would love to hear more about the secret life of of jane and and (laughs) she is like this insane mastermind to just see a little bit more into that would have made her a lot more interesting and a lot more human here's here's a question what if anything do we like about this show besides jeff we know that we love jeff okay i'll i'll start (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) um well there are a few episodes that i kind of like sure me too. They're mostly the Jeff-centric ones. I think that my favorite episode is The Girl with Two Breasts. Same. There's still some stuff in it that I don't like, but overall, I can see how it's clever and enjoyable. And this is a show that I wrote down the note. I I see why people enjoy it. I just don't necessarily see why people believe that it is good. Like, it makes all of these lists of, like, top Britcoms, whatever, and, like, I don't understand that. But I can see how it's like a fun, guilty pleasure. And this is a perfect example of an episode that's pretty well-executed farce with minimal uncomfortable misogyny. It's still there, but it's like just enough to not be like a a lethal dosage, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you bring up how does it have prestige, but that's my question about so much American TV as well, including how I met your fucking mother. Like there were so many moments watching that where I was going, I don't know who this is even for. I don't know how there is a subplot that the name Blarney was written on Barney's cup at Starbucks (laughs) and that they're still talking about it. That's not what (laughs) happens in real life. Um, Yeah. It wasn't even Blarney. It was Swarly. And I hate myself for knowing that. (laughs) Oh, okay. Well, well, that's even worse. Why would you? How could you misunderstand Barney for Swarly? That's the joke. That's Starbucks. But like, okay, you actually bring up a valid point because I don't know who How I Met Your Mother is for. I know who this show is for, and it's for horny virgin teens who grew up in the aughts. Like, it it paints a really fun picture of adulthood that is not at all accurate, and it raised our expectations only to be completely dashed by our very unsexy realities. Yeah. <laughs> but even though it made me angry as a teenager, I can see how other people my age, including you and our other friends, got swept up in the fun of it all. Yeah. Because it is, it is a fun show. I will give it credit for that. It's fun... Because it is absolutely nothing like the real world. And it's the opposite of the kinds of shows that I love, like Peep Show or The Office, where 
it gets right down to the heart of what sucks about life. Yeah. There's there's no mention of that in in this show. <laughs> okay, but the girl with two breasts. So it's a relatively clever conceit. Jeff sees a girl in this bar that they're always going to, that they basically live in. And he decides he's going to go and strike up a conversation with her. And then it just sort of devolves. And eventually he starts talking about how he collects women's ears in a bucket. And I think that we should play a clip of that because it's just prime Jeff at, at his peak. It's nice to see people reading. Not a lot of people read these days. People prefer to, um, hear. Uh, but all this hearing is just reading for lazy people. Kids today should be prepared to pick up a book and not just go around the whole time with all these modern ears. Sometimes I just want to rip people's ears off and say, read a book for God's sake! <laughs> Well, actually, I'll probably, probably say read a book first and then rip their ears off, otherwise they wouldn't hear me. <laughs> actually, I, I probably wouldn't rip their ears off at all. I, I'm not a violent person. I, I like ears, especially women ears. They're my favourite. <laughs> I, I don't mean I collect them or anything. I, I, I don't have a big bucket of women ears hidden away somewhere. No, 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 I, I'm not after your ears, really. Not that there's anything wrong with your ears. You know, if I, if I was some kind of mad ear person, your ears would be the pride of my, um, ear bucket. And then it turns out, fortunately, that she is Israeli and she doesn't speak English. He goes back to Patrick and Steve and, and reports that uh, she's leaving the country, she doesn't speak English, I insulted her friend's breasts, and she thinks I collect women's ears in a bucket. And like, that is a great line. That is. But then the part of the episode that I don't like is in the middle act where we see, you know, we, we've got to get the women characters in there somewhere. And they are just gleefully tearing apart this attractive stranger and talking about how like, well, you know, she's got big boobs, so they're going to fall later on and she'll be all saggy and blah 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 and then like they're, they're just imagining all these things oh look she's still got the price tag on the bottom of her shoe they're just like looking for some sort of crack in the facade or for some sort of flaw that they can hold over her and I just this seems so far-fetched but like is it like I don't I don't do that to other women when I see attractive women do you like whether in your own head or with other people you know I am absolutely guilty of judging attractive women if I'm feeling like shit. Do I sit in public spaces 15 feet away from them minutes? and loudly pick them apart with my best friends? Never have I that's, ever done that. Um, that's, that's what I'm talking about, yeah. Yeah, but you know, in my own head, yeah, if, if I see a woman who looks absolutely perfect and I criticize her for it. I mean, I always catch myself going, dude, you realize this isn't about her. Yeah. I have at least, you know, evolved that much. But no, I would not sit in a public space and loudly tear apart a woman for either looking flawless or looking bad. I would not do yeah. either of those things. To me, this just seemed like such an ugly caricature of like female behavior and the stereotype of like, oh, well, women can't be friends with other women because we're too threatened by each other. And like, when I see a really gorgeous just perfectly put together woman in the world like I'm not threatened because I'm like oh, okay we're, we're like not even the same species I feel so much more upset when I see a really attractive man because I'm like oh <sighs> I want to fuck you and you don't even see me and this hurts and I feel anger and terror and like I want to disappear and die that's how I react to that but like if I see a, a woman who's like really gorgeous I'm like oh well like good for you maybe she's a model that's cool but I wonder if it's possible that that's just because I had my 
identity at a very young age, like cemented as like the smart, not pretty girl. And like, if I were going to be like gleefully tearing somebody down, it would be like, oh, that bitch can't spell. You know what I'm saying? Like, I I wonder if it's because these three women are all very attractive and they all consider themselves very attractive and they all, except for, you know, Sally certainly has her insecurities, but clearly she's decided that that is her currency in the world and that her youth and beauty are paramount to absolutely everything else. And so if that's the only thing that you care about, maybe that is something that you feel the need to do is to tear other people down based on their appearance because it's the only thing that matters to you. Yeah, yeah. I hope that's not true, but maybe it is true. And maybe maybe Stephen Moffat knows more about female behavior than I do. No. That's a sobering fucking thought. Look, I'm <laughs> sure that he's overheard women from time to time maybe make snide comments about, you know, oh, the woman over in the corner with the cleavage. Like, but that's different than sitting around. And Jane literally says to Sally, do her neck now. Like, ripping her apart oh, actually yeah. body part by body part. So disgusting. That's a lot different. That's a lot different from things that mm-hmm. the average woman might stoop so low as to say about someone else. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everybody, like we said in Peep Show, everybody thinks mean thoughts, but once you make the choice to verbalize them out loud, you're crossing a line there and I just ugh, that that scene is the only part of the episode that I don't like it's absolutely the funniest episode because it has a really good farce payoff I just wish that the whole show were that fun and that relatively innocuous well the other Jeff episode that I also like is the man with two legs that was my other one yes I'm so glad yeah it's the same type of thing where Jeff has been commuting to work on the same train as a beautiful woman and he's been admiring her for weeks but all he can ever see is her leg and her red shoe but he's fallen in love with the leg and the shoe and then finally one morning they end up seated across from each other and he sees her face and like she's this like gorgeous bombshell with like this smoky voice and he starts babbling to her because he doesn't know how to open up a conversation with a woman and he keeps making these awkward references to legs because it's what's you know on his mind Mm -hmm. and she keeps asking him what and he keeps covering for himself worse and worse and she says why do you keep talking about amputating legs that he says I've got a wooden (laughs) leg and she has so much sympathy for this that he now cannot undo the lie and say Mm -hmm. oh I'm sorry that was just a weird thing I said and she really falls for him and they Mm -hmm. go on these dates at the bar of course and then it's finally going to be his big night because of course she can't just say how about tonight we finally go fuck she has to invite him back to her apartment where she and her (sighs) beautiful friend are going to be (laughs) trying on a bunch of different samples of naughty underwear And they prance around the flat in it. I just wrote the note, um, what? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Uh, You've never done that with a friend, Kaylee? Ever? I I guess I've got the wrong friends. So he realizes that he can't take his pants off. And (laughs) And there's a great line, I've got too many legs. I have the keys to paradise, but I've got too many legs. (laughs) no, there there are definitely some good moments on the show. Yeah. You know, we've we've been maybe a little bit overly critical, but at the same time, I do think that it's good to acknowledge like all of the terribly misogynist things that they say yeah. are passed off as if, what can you do? This is just a real thing. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, usually on this show, I try to be really positive about the things that I like. And yet, I'm not going to go out of my way to praise a show that, that kind of goes out of its way to insult me and my sex. So yeah, I'm not going to not gonna play nice no more, Stephen Moffat. Um, but like I said, there are good things about the show. There are some clever little gimmicks and framing devices and conceits 
I think that the episode that I have the most mixed feelings about is the season three opener split. Mm-hmm. Season two ends with Susan and Steve breaking up. And then I, I really love the conceit of this episode. And there are so many things about it. They're so good. But then it also has like my least favorite scene in the entire series. Mm-hmm. So what happens is that there's a very clever use of split screens. As soon as Steve and Susan say like, that's it, they call it quits. Then there's a split screen and it follows them. And you see how their post breakup lives are parallel to each other. You see him hanging out with the guy friends and her hanging out with the girlfriends to me the best scene in that is where they're all freaking out over the telephone yes that's also like a very fun sort of throwback to you know pre-cell phone times so you know they're they're using like I don't know what the British equivalent of star 69 is. 1471. Like, that's what it was. Yeah. So so like it's it's really funny how this group of adults is like, it's kind of cute how they're also terrified of the phone and they're like overanalyzing like, oh God, if, if he knows that I called and she knows that she called and then like at one point the phone rings and they all go, ah, like they actually scream. It's fun and it's the kind of like stupid infantile adulthood that I will forgive and not be annoyed by on this show yeah. because it is very relatable that we get really wrapped up in these little things. And so that's really good. But then... The scene that I hate is when they uh, both groups say, where are we going? The Temple of Woman. And of course, the Temple of Woman to women is a beauty salon where Susan gets like waxed and beautified. And it's like, I need to look good naked. Whereas for Steve and his friends, it's a strip club because he needs to see naked women. Mm -hmm. And the worst scene, this is the thing that really just infuriated me as the angry little 15-year-old feminist that I was and still am. Uh, is this terrible monologue when Susan is on the brink of having some kind of epiphany about, you know, male-female relations. And she says something like about how men are crap and they're the, the human race has only failed gender. But then she immediately reverses it and says, but you know what's even more crap than men? We are more crap than men. And at age 15, I was like, oh, hell no. That is not, that is not right. Because then the examples that she cites are saying that we're reading all of these magazines about how men are terrible, but then how to wake him up with a blowjob. And what she's describing is the patriarchy and the expectations imposed on women, not women themselves. I feel like she was on the verge of having some sort of feminist breakthrough. And honestly, I think that they should have just like had a lesbian orgy in the salon. I'm sure Jeff would have loved that. That would have been a great way to end this episode. But instead, she ends up going home to Steve and reconciling by waking him up with a damn blowjob because he somehow deserves that after getting drunk and seeing strippers while she got a painful bikini wax and realized her, you know, errors of her ways by expecting too much of men and by being more crap than men somehow. Oh, ugh. A few things. Number one, I don't know if it's cool to give a blowjob to a man who is unconscious and cannot be awoken if you, like, crawl on top of him. I don't think that's very cool. I think that that is yet one more aspect of the show that has not aged well at all. But I want to talk about the breakup at the end of season two because I have an opinion on that one. So in season two, you see both Susan and Steve talking to, you know, people who are supposed to be considered attractive strangers at the Mm -hmm. bar. Now, in Susan's case, she's speaking French to someone on the phone. And then Mm -hmm. a man looks at her and says, I love French women. And she says, like, two more things to him in French. 
bench and then the conversation is over and her friends mm-hmm. are like you let him believe that you were french oh that's so saucy and yeah that is a little bit saucy i guess to let a stranger like believe you're french but the conversation doesn't <laughs> go anywhere she does not seek yeah. him out again she just sort of liked the thrill of maybe role-playing to herself and appearing attractive to a stranger but she does sure. not then seek him out in any way whatsoever steve mm-hmm is approached by a stranger at the bar and then he spends several hours having multiple drinks with this woman and exchanging phone numbers at the end. And I have to say, when, when Susan has her epiphany, you know, on the same day that my boyfriend chatted up a woman, I also chatted up a man and I'm going, Nope, no, you really didn't. You did not. You did not chat up a man. A man chatted you up. You said we, and that was the end. You did not fucking give him your phone number. It's the the false equivalency. Yeah. And that's something that I hate so much about this show and about like life in general, (laughs) being a woman, is that it it made me think of, um, there's a great line in Orange is the New Black when Healy is saying something to a man about like, the the trick with women is to say that you'll meet them halfway, but really only meet them about 15% of the way. Women are bad at math. And I was like, that fucking epitomizes so many moments in my life. It's kind of like, you know, the way that this show frames women as like tyrants who always get their way, where it's like, what happens when a man wins, blah, 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 argument. I have absolutely no idea. Yeah. It's like when conservatives say things like the liberal media. And so then you have to compensate by like proving that you're not biased. And, you know, it just it just edges things more into the favor of who's already in power. And yeah, the idea that the men on this show do so many horrible things to the women. But, oh, women are critical and women are tyrants because they like decorative pillows. And women, how dare they give birth to our children and not be not okay with it? Like, oh. We'll we'll save the birthing stuff for season four, which is just a fucking shit show in every possible respect. But it just makes me so fucking angry. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Back to the pilot. Yeah. There's the scene where Patrick and Susan are addressing the state of their union because Susan mm-hmm. is not yet dating Steve. She is still mm-hmm. fucking Patrick, the human tripod. And they kind of both acknowledge that they don't want it to be a real relationship and then Patrick makes it sound like he hasn't been seeing anybody else and Susan admits well yes I have been seeing somebody else at the same time I've been seeing you and Patrick's Mm -hmm. upset and Susan says we were only seeing each other once a week that's hardly a sex life and I wrote in all capitals, yes, it is. <laughs> like, oh, my God. Okay. If yeah. you meet with someone once a week and have sex with them, like, do you know how much I would love that if I got to just have sex, like, every Saturday night? I would oh be my God. sitting that would be so great. pretty. I would be so happy. This is actually relates to something in a later season that I hate is that, so something that we have not yet mentioned is that at the end of season three, tragically, Jeff, the only good character on the show, leaves and is replaced by the eternally unfunny and terrible Oliver. Ugh. And again, like, it's it's not his fault. Oliver is like a fucking puppy that replaces your favorite dog who died. And it's not his fault that he can't replace the, the good one. But like, he's not, he's never going to be the same. I can't care. I can never love him. It's it's fine. But Oliver is talking about like, Do you know how long it's been since I had sex? And then Patrick guesses two years. He's like, wait, two years? What? No, seven months. Seven months. And I'm like, don't don't talk to me unless it's been like over a year. I will. I can't possibly feel bad for you. In fact, I hate you. If you complain about not having had sex for X months, go fuck yourself. I do it all the time and I'm alive. I think that if you are having sex and probably more than one time in a sitting. So if you're having sex 
twice a week. I mean, that's over 100 times a year, which is a sex life. Well, but you know, she she of the five foot vibrator and the perpetually low batteries cannot be sated by, by such a meager... A- and yet, and, <laughs> and yet. yet, in the episode The Melty Man, where oh. Patrick had a failure, he was unable to get hard so that he could have sex with Sally, which they then immediately go to the bar and tell everyone about it, because that's Ugh. the kind of friendship they all have. Why is that an event? I don't know. But Jeff, who has a lot of different labels for phenomena in the modern dating world, he mm-hmm. refers to erectile dysfunction as being visited by the melty man. And mm-hmm. Steve is usually right there to turn to Jeff and be like, Jeff, what are you talking about? But this, this time he says there's nothing funny about the melty man, Patrick, because both he and Jeff have apparently experienced erectile dysfunction and Patrick never has. And they're describing to him the tremendous amount of anxiety they experience when they have sex and mm-hmm. how, you know, they feel embarrassed during sex and then all the blood rushes away from their erection and to their, you know, beat red faces. And Patrick mm-hmm. says to them, how do you guys ever manage to have sex? And Steve says, we don't. Yeah. So so and- is Steve, like, that shitty at being Susan's boyfriend and he can't even fuck her? <laughs> Yeah, you it's kind of a miracle confusion. they got her pregnant. Yeah. Maybe he went into the other room with lesbian spank inferno and then used a turkey baster. Except we established later on that he is incapable of masturbating into a cup because, oh, what a sacrifice for a man to have to make to masturbate into a cup. Fuck you, Steve. You're the goddamn worst. Ugh. Oh, that scene at the clinic? Yeah, when they've been having yeah. trouble conceiving. And so oh they go God. to test Steve's sperm and he can't masturbate into a cup. But meanwhile, they tested her somehow. She probably had a she speculum had a opener up. Yeah. yeah. I know I keep referring to the pilot, but it's important because it's the first stupid metaphor that we hear Jeff come up with. And he says that Jane refusing to be dumped Mm -hmm. by Steve, he says, you've got an unflushable. And then he compares it to when, you Mm -hmm. know, you have an evacuation on the toilet and it keeps bobbing back up and it's an unflushable. And his other great metaphor that I refer to a lot in my real life is this idea of the giggle loop, loop. where you are somewhere in a public place or situation and you think, oh, wouldn't it be terrible if I laughed right now? And then you have that endless loop of trying not to laugh. And so these two metaphors once collided in my brain while I was breaking up with someone. Oh my god, tell me, tell me. <laughs> I was attempting to break up with my ex-boyfriend, which was an affair that took over two hours, but it was worth it, ladies. Just just have the two-hour breakup. Just keep flushing that handle, just it'll happen. keep flushing that handle. So we're <laughs> at like the over hour and a half mark, and we are outside in a Starbucks parking lot, and my friend Veronica, who brought coupling into my life on my request, was waiting inside the Starbucks in the event that anything got too weird and I needed to... To bring in reinforcements you're that was really good of you dude but i was outside and we're you know we're approaching the two hour mark and he's bargaining with me and i just thought i've got an unflushable and then i immediately go oh fuck i was gonna laugh oh no <laughs> and then i i did go like oh my god and and he was like you're laughing at me why are you why are you laughing at me? And so then I had to go, I was actually laughing because I thought about something else. And then I laughed again. Oh my god, that's so good. And it, I'm sure it ta- 
tacked on another like 15 minutes to the ranting and raving but yeah that was and that's what I mean when I say that like I might not necessarily watch this entire series ever again but there are moments of this show that are part of me forever. Oh, for sure. You've got a you've got a Jeff on your shoulder along with Lister and Crichton and Absolutely. Mark and Jeremy a Jeff and all on those. My shoulder. Yeah. Hey Steph, when you were breaking up with his boyfriend, did he ever try to lure you into the bathroom and show you his shaved pubis? <laughs> I have an answer for that. <laughs> shaving his balls oh which is really jarring <laughs> and i don't know how you could shave your balls because ball i don't i anyway they're round that's their whole thing yeah wow. so he had to like squish them down <laughs> and i was like you know oh. i don't require this of you speaking of like shaving <laughs> so like I've, I've mentioned Steve's Righteous Man Rants. He has one about shoes and how he hates how much women love shoes because wah, wah, wah. And yet, in other episodes, he's gone on to, like, wax poetic about how much he loves stockings and tiny pants. And, like, this is something that pisses me off to no end is when men, fictionally or in real life, pick and choose which trappings of femininity are stupid and which ones are absolutely necessary and men will complain about like for example women caring so much about shaping our eyebrows like i've heard multiple rants on the subject from comedians and from nobodies and from people in real life but like oh why do women care so much about their eyebrows and yet they expect bald legs armpits and vaginas yeah like fuck you you don't get to tell me how i groom my body or my face and you don't get to complain about which thing I care about versus which thing that you care about. Yeah. There is a lot of discussion of women's bodies on this show. This show must have a record for the number of times that the word breasts is uttered on air, like per episode. It's it's like uncomfortable how much they talk about breasts. It's true. It is weird. Just the word breast. Like they don't say tits or never, boobs. Or never. And um, <laughs> the way Susan, it's Susan and Steve's first date and all the friends show up at the restaurant at the same exact time. And like yeah. none of them are just going to fucking leave. Susan is trying to get Jeff to leave and she's like what do I have to do show you a breast <laughs> who would ever say show you a breast as opposed to what do you want me to do show you my tits like that would be a perfectly normal way of saying that but I hate the way she says show you a yeah. breast like a singular breast it's so dumb. Yeah. And then they all line up to see her breast. There's also a lot of talk about bottoms, and Sally in particular is very horrified and threatened by bottoms. She has the line, bottoms are our natural enemy. And like, I just wonder, is that just a Sally thing or is this a Brit thing? Because like, I don't understand how bottoms are considered to be a bad thing. Like, do they like small butts over there? Sally also has that thing about like, I could never be a lesbian because what if she had a smaller bottom than mine? She's so fixated on not having a large bottom. And maybe it's just that like, you know, we grew up in the age of Sir Mix-a-Lot, but like, I thought that bottoms are one of the two places on a woman's body that it's societally acceptable for her to have any fat. Am I wrong about that? I mean, remember when I showed you the picture of Pippa Middleton, which is supposed to be like the biggest ass in the world? I kind of well. wonder if they've got that sort of uh, thing going on over there in uh, the UK that like that's considered a big old ass. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, God. Another thing that made me angry is in the second episode when Steve and Susan are on their first date and Susan says, you're supposed to be the confident ones. You're supposed to be chasing us. And then Steve says, first dates are more stressful for men. And I just wrote in all caps, fuck off, Steve. 
it's stressful for you because you don't know whether or not we're gonna fuck you. Okay, well, it's stressful for us because we don't know whether or not you're gonna kill us, so... Yeah. Oh. oh, God. There's there's that stupid moment, though, where they do have their first date. And this is perhaps less insidious, but it's still a good example of just these arbitrary mm-hmm. gender laws that they're laying out. Mm-hmm. Like, Steve sits down on Susan's couch in front of her TV because that's where the couch is and that's where the TV is. Mm-hmm. And Susan says out loud, a man, a television, better leave you two alone. As if only men like TV, even though it's literally <laughs> her fucking TV that she owns. Yeah. Yeah. Although, he didn't bring it himself. If her battery compartments of her remotes are always empty, she probably has never actually watched television because she's too busy pleasuring herself with her damn five foot vibrator. Probably. So, Maybe. Yeah. But what were you going to say? What was I going to say? Oh, just more more Steve hate. Okay, so in episode three, Jane's aunt dies. And Steve is so awful. He can't even fake sympathy for her. And he also says, I can't comfort you anymore because she's not his girlfriend anymore. And the idea that emotional support can only come as a quid pro quo in exchange for sex. Like after four and a half years, I can understand not wanting to pretend that you're still together with this woman, especially when she's as fucking crazy as we all know she is. But like, ugh, he's just such a scumbag. There's no, like, be a fucking human being. I noticed that as well. It was really, really weird that he just had to immediately, like, tell her to fuck off and die. Yeah, pretty much. Like he He's, he uh, met this aunt. He met this aunt. I, I know. Always go to the funeral. Guys, here's here's just some some friendly advice from me to you. Always go to the birthday party and always go to the funeral because it's not about you. It's about the people who invited you and the people who need you there for their support. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. This has been That's a public true. service announcement. Um <laughs> Oh, God. Yeah, Steve's just the fucking worst. I wrote down, I would sooner marry Mark fucking Corrigan. Mark at least has the decency to hate himself. Yes. Yep. Yes, it's true. Is it too early for fuck, Mary kill? Let's do it. Um, Men or ladies first? Let's do men first. Okay. Um, Obviously, marry the shit out of Jeff. That's the only really obvious answer. Because he's he's funny and he actually is able to, even though he has the reputation for not being able to have real conversations with women and he's like on paper the most insecure and awkward... I feel like he actually is the most human sympathetic person and he's entertaining and he's cute and like there's nothing wrong with him. He's great. Yeah. Um, and whereas in all of the other F. Mary kills that I've done in this season, I'm like, oh, but I don't want to kill anyone. Can I just fuck them all? I want to kill both of them so much. And oh, it's really tough. On paper, I feel like I should want to kill Patrick because he is a Tory with a giant dick and he doesn't know where the clitoris is. So like that just spells pain all around in a really unenjoyable evening. And yet my hatred for Steve is so all-encompassing that I am willing to suffer through an agonizing evening of unskillful pounding (laughs) pain in order to get to murder Steve. Plus, another thing that makes Patrick a little bit sympathetic and cool is that we find out in season four that he thinks that pregnant women are sexy, and that's uh, that's pretty attractive and compelling. It's really the only good thing about his character. I am 100% in agreement with you on your answer. Yeah. I would like to quickly point out, though, that as we've already covered, because there seem to be multiple realities existing at once in coupling, Susan yeah. does, at the beginning of the series, make it sound like Patrick is very good in bed. And it's not until the end where there's a crack about how he can't find someone else's clitoris. So I am going to choose to look on the bright side of that and Mm -hmm. say that, yes, Tori, he may be. I would definitely choose a night of big dick energy with Patrick just so I could kill Steve as well. 
Yeah, yeah, no, definitely Kelsey. As much as it would be nice to like wipe out a conservative voter, I think that Steve's righteous man rants, and it's like, it's the insidiousness of the liberal one who calls himself an ally, but is actually so much more misogynistic than anybody on the other side. Like, we don't know Steve's politics. We don't know Steve's politics. We really only know Sally's no, and but Patrick's. We know his personal gender politics, and we can, we can assume that he, ugh, I bet if he were American, he would have voted for Bernie in the general. Fuck you, Steve. Oh, he so would have voted for Bernie in the general. Right? Oh, God. Now, I know that you and I are going to have different answers on the ladies. We might not. We might might not. not? Well, here's the thing. As much as I don't like Susan, I have to marry her because she's the only grown-up of the group. Yes. Originally going into it before rewatching it this time, I was thinking, oh, I'd marry Sally because she's my favorite, but I don't want to have to console her that much and reassure her that she's pretty. And also looking ahead to when Susan is pregnant, she's the only one in the group who's actually kind of fine with it. Whereas everybody else, including Sally, is like, they, she faints when she thinks about childbirth or certain unsavory aspects of it. And I don't blame her. And see, that's why I would want Susan to be my partner. Because if we're a lesbian couple, or if I'm just a man providing the sperm, she could be the one to have the babies and she'd be totally great. And I would support her and be a way better and more sympathetic partner than Steve. Yes. Definitely fuck Sally. Kill Jane. I was right from minute one. Kill her. She brings nothing to the world. I'm going to fuck Jane and kill Sally. Whoa! Okay. Wow. Explain. Um, 10 years ago, I would have said the exact same answer as you, but I don't know. I just was not amused by Sally this time around. And I haven't watched the show probably since college. And of course in college where there are cute sexually active boys everywhere and Mm -hmm. I'm just this like freaked out virgin who doesn't know how to get what I very much want and I'm afraid of what I want and I let that become just a crippling insecurity it must be something wrong with me it must be something wrong with my looks Mm -hmm. also like Sally you know I had the answer to everything and all of the answers to everything were somehow very cynical and I did judge women way more than I do now and so yeah I just for the first time I did not find her relatable to anything and I kind of want to put her out of her misery it's putting her out of her misery that's smart I was taking more the global view because I think that the world would be better without Jane than it would be without Sally I think that Jane is a dangerous person in the same way that I think that Steve is a dangerous person and sort of like how I wish that I could kill both Patrick and Steve without having to fuck either of them I wish that I could actually fuck and kill Jane because she's probably you know being the only bisexual and being so sexually knowledgeable, I think that she would definitely give me the best time. But I'm willing to forgo a night of incredible lesbian sex in order to rid the world of the cancer that is Jane, what the fuck's her last name? Christy. I don't know. I gotta say, like, I understand Sally's dilemma of Patrick asked me out and I initially said no because he's disgusting. But then I found out that he's got this giant dick and now maybe I would fuck him. But mm-hmm. I do not understand how she can then fall in love with him and waste so much time being completely hung up on this dude yeah. who she knows is wrong for her. Like, yeah. that that was another thing. I did not like seeing her, you know, torture herself over this guy who was not torturing himself at all, who was yeah. just living his big dick Tory life. I didn't like <laughs> big that. Big dick Tory life, hashtag. That's a good hashtag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was gross. It definitely is. And that's something that's interesting. For a show that's called Coupling, the pairings on this show are so forced. Yeah. I don't think that any of them make sense as a couple. Mm. If, if you had to pair up the six of them Like, do you think that there is any combination within this group of six people that does or would make sense? 
I might say Jeff and Susan. If he could get over his fear of her, he seems like he's a good friend. They have a good connection and rapport. And again, they're like the least awful humans among the group. I mean, he's going to have to tell her like, yes, Susan, I masturbate. Please calm down. Yeah, God, the, the stigmatization of masturbation is so weird in this. It's a plot point in multiple episodes. First, there's the one where Susan finds his porn. And like, first of all, do women in this world of coupling, do they not look at porn? Or maybe was it different when porn was a physical thing that had to be obtained from a store rather than being a free thing on the internet now? I don't know what it's like to be an adult who had to like purchase magazines and rent videotapes. Jane looks at porn, right? Of course she does. Yeah, Jane looks at porn. Sally probably couldn't look at porn because... Because the women might have smaller bottoms. Yes, but whatever. Clearly all the men look at magazines, which is fine. But like, it's weird... It's not just that they think that it's gross or childish or stupid for a man to masturbate, which, like, it's not. But they seem angry at the men for masturbating. This is a world... You mentioned Larry David earlier and how this is sort of like Curb Your Enthusiasm. And that is a that is a show that, while very funny, it has a very sort of angry worldview that I think is definitely echoed here. This is a world where men and women seem to actively hate and resent each other for their quote-unquote nature. Like how Steve basically holds childbirth against the woman, thinking of it as not just something that's terrifying for you, like for you as the man, but also that it's somehow unnatural, that it's something that women do to men to spite them somehow and women hate men for jerking off like what what the fuck what no would it just get if you have different preferences like oh maybe i care more about pillow color than my boyfriend does then you just like live your lives and and pursue your bliss i don't I don't see why everything in this show is such a big fucking deal. (laughs) Everything in this show is such a big fucking deal. And the lesbian porn stuff and Jane's bisexuality and the the fetishizing of, you know, two women having sex is very interesting in the show because it just seems so antiquated to me that you've got the men saying gross stuff about, you know, quote lesbian porn mm-hmm. and the women are like i just don't understand what that's all about and it's like you don't like watching two boys kiss dude i didn't discover the magic of gay porn until like a couple years ago but like wh- how was i not watching that all along it's, I, I, it's I like the idea of boys kissing of course I, and well, it's like thing- i can tell you exactly why it's like there there's two of them Exactly. Yeah. And and with porn, I get it. It's not so much when it's like more of a fantasy in real life, like, oh man, like if you know a lesbian, like think it, like she's not going to invite you to watch her and her serious partner. Like that's never going to actually happen. That's not what real lesbians do. No. But yeah, Sally has that thing like, I've never understood the male fascination with lesbians. It's an area of sex with absolutely nothing for them to do. Never mind. I answered my own question. And that's how I feel about about uh, gay porn with men is that you know even though there's nothing for me to identify with as a female bodied person I can't be like oh yeah I'd like to have my dick sucked like that I can appreciate that there aren't any women being degraded and I can appreciate that both of the men in question or more than two maybe like they're all gonna be a certain level of attractiveness because that they are the eye candy so it's not gonna be like a really gross looking dude having sex with a really hot girl in a really degrading disgusting way that makes me feel alienated and violated at the same time yeah so steve is embarrassed by susan having discovered his porno tape called lesbian spank inferno which by the way the way that he describes it as he's trying so hard to make it seem like it's a legitimate artistic movie if it were a real movie and it were actually as legit as he seems to like make it out to be i think it would be such a fun movie to watch and i want to see it yes 
Yes. It sounds amazing. An erotic art film. I'm I'm all down. But um that same episode is like the first righteous man rant of Steve, which is men like naked women. <laughs> we have we have always liked naked women since the first cave drawings. Like Yeah, you don't need to make a speech about it. We know. That's yeah. that's understood. Believe me. We get it. There's a great moment. Speaking of lesbianism, Jeff is kind of having a fantasy daydream about Sally taking a shower and then like maybe Jane comes in and helps her get her breasts <laughs> clean or whatever. And Steve says, you know, there's a difference between real life and low quality lesbian porn. <laughs> and the way that Jeff just sternly says, you don't know that. I relate to that idea. <laughs> I, the, the the amount of stuff that I have heard guys talk about with like being nude together and like measuring their dicks and stuff. Like oh I kind of feel like maybe it's not true for women that, you know, our lives are pretty much low quality lesbian porn. But I think straight men's lives when we're not around is very much a gay porn. Well, dude, very okay. Much. This is something that came up in conversation last night when I was at a birthday party. Like Jema, my sister and I were the only women at a certain point. And somehow the the conversation the topic of urinals came up in the conversation. And we were like, "Isn't it weird that you have to like stand next to people with your dick out?" Like, because I think that every third dream I say that I have is like of me trying to pee or poop in public and not having sufficient privacy. It's like the stall doors are too low, or it's like an open plan cubicle situation, and like Sweet. I. I just feel like men are just sort of socialized to be like they're required to be comfortable being naked in front of each other all the time. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I've thought about that, too. I feel like I feel like maybe also because gay stuff is sort of more taboo for men than it is for women, because for women, it's sort of assumed like, oh, they're just practicing for the boys and they're being experimental and playful. And it's just a friendly kiss. And oh, like it doesn't really count because a man's not involved it, because it's all sort of set up for the male gaze. I think that we're more dismissive of it, whereas for men, it's like, oh, it's super gay if we if we hold hands or if we hug. So like probably a lot more straight gay stuff goes on than we are privy to it's just not reported that's what right. i'm thinking yeah hell yeah hell yeah quick question and we do not have to include this in the episode but like of your exes who's done gay stuff you don't need to name names but like percentages um not gay stuff like full-on has experimented with men but gay stuff like having decorative pillows sorry <laughs> <laughs> no I i'm talking about like you know oh after football practice we're all in the shower spanking each other's asses like that's Whoa, the kind of gay man like, spank inferno <laughs> like gay horseplay is more of like what i'm talking about no i would i would be i would be thrilled if i were dating a guy and he was like i fucked a man As someone who's both of her exes, uh, be careful what you wish for. <laughs> I mean, this is you are so for my own for my own just like Cinemax mind. Like, I would never need to watch porn again. I would just be like, oh my god, show me a picture of the dude that you blew. Can I stalk him on Facebook? Oh my god. Okay, yeah. so this might be a good time to ask this question, and I think I know the answer. But like, which of these characters are you, Jeff? What obviously i am jeff and so oh, yeah. are you oh thank you here's the thing i i hope and pray that i am jeff i aspire to be jeff but in my darkest moments i fear that i am oliver what are you talking about thank you i just needed to be reassured maybe i've got a touch of sally too because I've, i'm clearly very insecure about some things when my confidence is at its lowest 
I feel like I have all of Jeff's ineptitude with the opposite sex, but none of the charm or funniness of it. Just flaccid, boring, disappointing season four Oliver. Is it time Dude, to talk about Oliver now? <laughs> we should definitely talk more about Oliver. I scoured the internet because I wanted to know, and I didn't find an answer. Maybe this is something that I should look into even more closely because I wanted to know what the motivation was for replacing Jeff with a watered down, unfunny, uncute version of Jeff. Because why yeah. would you even bother at that point? Yeah. Jeff is gone terrible fucking thing to happen to the show it, that show suffers so much without jeffrey jeff murdoch in it oh and God. why you wouldn't either just like kind of let that be because jeff's never going to get together like with jane you know so they don't actually need the six people they really really don't yeah so i was kind of wondering like why didn't they either just let jeff go or replace him with someone completely, completely different. different yeah not just a really unfunny version of him which is oliver yeah. Like, why Why bother introducing us to a new character if the show is going to be ending? No, I agree. I think that if they wanted to, to you know, to have the three and three, here's, here's a weird moment from the finale, is that Jeff sort of, kind of, almost makes a reappearance, which is really terrible and has not aged well, let me preface that. Um, so in a fantasy sequence or a dream sequence of Steve's while he's at the hospital waiting for Susan to give birth, he meets Jeffina, because Jeff... it. He's explained away in the first episode of season four that he has gone on a trip, a pilgrimage of sorts to the Isle of Lesbos because that's that's his Mecca. Um, so cool. And then while there, I guess he transitioned and somehow like fully became a woman and had all of the surgeries, at least within the, uh, Steve's, you know, fantasy of him. Like, I'm not saying that they should have brought Jeff back as a trans lesbian that would have been terrible but like but they could have done something similar where it's like you have a jeff-esque character but maybe she's a woman or a lesbian it would be really funny after all of this lesbian fixations to introduce a real lesbian into the group because then that's a way to totally not at all be in the shadow of jeff oh yay as i walk through the valley in the shadow of jeff <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, but I'm I'm completely with you. That's that actually would yeah. have been a really that would have been interesting. Yeah, radical. Clearly, in in my season four notes, I just wrote, "God, I miss Jeff." I mean, Oliver. They actually have the poor guy like come in and really theatrically fall out of his chair or like try to jump into a chair and he yeah. misses it and falls on the floor because he's just so wacky. Yeah, and. For as uncomfortable and awkward and stupid as that show could be, I kind of thought that is low. Oh, yeah. that is low. Just a pratfall? Come on. Yeah, it's sort of like what we said last week about how in season nine, the peep show inner monologues kind of deteriorate and become sort of more vanilla and generic. It's mm -hmm. like none of Jeff's really specific, like, I've got too many legs, or she thinks I collect women's ears in a bucket. Like, there's nothing specific or idiosyncratic anymore. It's just like he's a generically bad and a loser with women 
I also wrote down the note, Oliver's nipples are not funny. <laughs> because Oliver's nipples are not funny. That's a whole... In, in what is my least, least favorite episode of season four, Bedtime, it has like the my favorite fantasy framing device. So basically the, the whole central conflict of this episode is that Patrick and Sally are dating and Sally wants Patrick to stay the night and Patrick, for his manly man reasons, needs to go home because he likes to have his private space, blah, 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 man cave. And so... In the opening scene, we see, like, a, a beautiful canopy bed in the middle of a forest, which, again, like, oh, what a perfect teenage fantasy. So we've got Patrick as a knight and Sally as this, like, enchantress with beautiful, long, flowing hair and a little flower crown or whatever. And they're talking in this sort of old-timey language. And then they bring out a chessboard, and she's like, if if a maiden should win, then a knight must forsake all others and stay by her side, blah, 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 blah. And then he says, well, if a knight should win... I have absolutely no idea, you know, that that whole fucking running gag. But, uh, but yeah, for this is the game of coupling. It's kind of a cute episode. There are some fun laughs in it. But the dumbest subplot is that Oliver is really nervous because he hasn't had sex in the aforementioned seven months. Oh, my God. Cry me a river. Miss Havisham wanking into a flannel. So, yeah, his whole thing is that, like, my nipples have activated. I'll be pointing two miniature erections at her across the dinner table. And, like... I don't, no one, no one cares. No one cares no. about your nipples. No. Don't flatter it so, yourself. It was so stupid. And I hated how, like, he comes out of the lift and mm-hmm. he decides that he doesn't like the sweater that he's wearing. So he rips it off, leaving himself topless and then throws the sweater in the lift, which then yeah. goes either, you know, up or down, lost forever in that massive apartment complex. But... I just kind of thought, <laughs> that's not what people do. And I understand no. it's a farce, and there are so many moments in the show where you go, that's not what people do. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. that just seems like an even more egregious one. Mm-hmm. So if we're talking about Oliver in season four, can we finally talk about all of the terrible misogyny surrounding childbirth? The end of season three, first of all, that's when we find out that Susan and Steve are expecting and that they have been trying. This is a really stupid episode. Like, let's just go back and talk about the episode, perhaps, perhaps, perhaps. The way that it's framed is that, like, someone is pregnant, but they don't know who, because was it Sally who's convinced that she's pregnant? And so she makes them all take a test, but then she mixes up whose test is which. And so they all have, like, flashbacks to their ways that they could have gotten pregnant. And Susan says, oh, well, it can't be me, because Steve and I have been trying, and there's definitely a problem with me. And this is when... Steve is such a fucking baby about the idea of jerking off into a cup. Like, he he just has absolutely no empathy for the agony of childbirth or womanhood in general. The idea that being forced to masturbate in a room that is not his own home. I mean, if he were a teenager, that would have been like Christmas. Like, that's, that's something that if you told me to jerk off in some doctor's office, like, I would happily do that right now. That's so much better than having a really invasive and painful exam or, you know, gestating a human being in your body and then pushing it out through a very narrow canal. He's just a little fucking bitch about it. And so then... After it's revealed that Susan is the one who's pregnant, in the season four opening, in the face of Susan's utter calmness and rational adult perspective on the issue of childbirth, Steve says, it's all right for you, you get to stay at the top end. And I'm like, do you not understand that women live in their bodies and have sensations and nerves? Do you really think that you're the victim of childbirth? Because... Because you have to think about something that has only ever been a source of pleasure for you in a different context that makes you scared because you're a little man. Like, Yeah, that is the answer in this case. And it is supposed to be funny and relatable, which I hate. No, no, it's disgusting. I can understand. 
See, this is where the contrast between this and Peep Show is so good because the horror that Mark and Jeremy express over the idea of like an episiotomy, for example, which I also find horrific, especially since they're so often given unnecessarily and without the woman's consent. And it makes me very angry. But the idea is that they're very uncomfortable because they are imagining it happening to them because they have an ounce of sympathy or empathy for another human being's feelings. Whereas for Steve, it's just about having to think about a vagina as something other than something that was just created for men. Yes. It offends me so much. Well, I mean, look, as a woman who has sex with men, I'm probably never going to see my partner, like, give live birth. Although, I don't know. Maybe there's time for me to turn this thing around. Um, (laughs) But, you know, so I do imagine that for men, and I am talking about loving, devoted, wonderful men who cannot wait to be fathers and, you know, bring a person into the world with their female partners. But, you know, I got to imagine, yeah, it must be very difficult to be in a room with, you know, your love who is in tremendous physical pain and discomfort and Mm -hmm. she's surrounded by medical machinery and things could go wrong. And like, there's nothing that I can do to help. Like that must be a very strange thing to experience, which they do go ahead and explore in Peep Show very Mm -hmm. well. They do go ahead and, you know, let us see the ugliness. And, you know, I've never asked my father what that must have been like for him, but I do know that by the time I was the one coming out, Mm -hmm. he was standing where the action was, taking motherfucking pictures. Damn right. And, you know, then obviously had sex with his wife again because my little brother was born. Like it did not... scar him for life in such a way because he only saw my mother as a pleasure object yeah and then only as a baby factory yeah it's just it's so gross and it bespeaks such a horrible misogyny this whole season of this show just combines everything that i hate pregnancy and birth sexism and not being remotely funny it's a trifecta of horror (laughs) dude and when he asks her how long before everything's back together fuck off like literally the answer to that is about six weeks so can you can you keep it in your pants for six weeks you're gonna have a crying infant taking up a lot of your time and energy yeah you're gonna probably be thinking about other stuff other than your penis and how your wife's vagina is healing up so you can then fuck it yeah and i can understand how that might be a concern if you're you know a, a selfish person but like Google was a thing by this point. If that were something that I were curious about, I would just discreetly look at that and not make my partner know that that was at the forefront of my mind. Well, and it's the way he asks. He doesn't just say, you know, will you ask your doctor? He's like, when will? (laughs) No, I know. (laughs) In his Steve way. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's so... And then also in an early scene in another episode... Steve, he has multiple dreams, it is revealed, of being executed. And so in the dream, he's, like, going to be executed by the firing squad. And Susan, like, is sitting there with her pregnant belly and, like, opens her legs and, like, her vagina shooting out a baby as a firing squad. (laughs) Haha, get it? Because fatherhood, just like marriage, is tantamount to death. (laughs) He's so gynophobic. Are we sure that he's not gay? Because I think that he hates women's bodies, like, the actual realities of women's bodies, outside of just the aesthetic from the outside. More than any gay man that I've ever met. Uh, in my version of the show, Steve is so gay, and there are so many sex scenes between him and Patrick and Jeff. Yeah. That'd be a good show. <laughs> They're in the shower. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Help me clean my balls. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. 
I know that you have a real issue, and I, I guess I do too, with Steve's rant about epidurals and how, like, you know, why doesn't Susan want to have drugs? But, like, also, why doesn't Susan want to have drugs? If I ever give birth, I want to be fucking unconscious. I want all the drugs. I don't care if it kills me and the baby. I do not want to feel a fucking thing. There you go. And this is why I should marry Susan and have her birth the babies. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think as much as I hate Steve deep down, I'm a Steve at least on this one subject. Susan's like too calm during this whole season. It's a little freaky to me. She has some lines that really bother me, which is, try and understand, I'm a woman. The pain of childbirth is part of being a woman. And I take so much issue with that because... First of all, it's not true. Not every woman is capable of giving birth. Not every woman wants to give birth. Not everyone chooses to give birth. And if they don't want to, then my God, they should not be forced to. And even if they do choose to, the pain shouldn't have to be a part of it because medical science has come up with some relief for it. I think that this is Steve's only sensible thing. It's just that it gets framed sort of in the wrong way because it's more about his comfort than it is about hers. You know what? In a way, I kind of feel like maybe it's better that Susan just kind of becomes an automaton of a pregnant woman who is absolutely unbothered by everything. Mm -hmm. Because could you imagine if Stephen Moffat went for the opposite approach and had Susan become, you know, completely unlike herself and just scream the entire time about how worried she was about her own vagina and how much it was going to fucking hurt and no, how, you know, she hates babies and oh my God, my tits are never going to look the same way again. Yeah. Like that would have been so much worse. And I actually... I would have been so much more angry if if Steve had been the one pushing for a natural childbirth. He was like, oh, you can handle it. The pain of childbirth is part of being a woman. As much as I hated hearing that coming out of a woman's mouth, knowing that it was written by a man, it would have made me punch my fucking computer if it had come out of Steve's mouth. Yeah. And to the writer's credit, Susan does eventually choose the epidural, thus completely going back on everything that she's been claiming the entire time that she wants. But right. I do have a neighbor, uh, older lady in my life, who told me that she had that exact experience. She I'm said sure that it's she common. she ran into the hospital. She's like, I was literally wearing a sweatband on my head, feeling mm -hmm. like I was fucking rocky, like running <laughs> in there, telling all of the nurses I don't want any drugs and then I changed my mind within minutes yeah. <laughs> so you know yeah. it's it's complicated and they at least attempted to portray that yeah speaking of that finale the final three minutes it becomes a completely different show and I am, yes. I am not here for it it's so dumb first of all we get Steve's inner monologue for the first and only yeah time. which was and weird. it suddenly becomes very serious and he's got that whole it's like when we were talking about Mark in Peep Show and how he also is like sort of slightly transformed but also still basically fundamentally the same person when he has his son and he's like he feels all this optimism and joy but it's still filtered through Mark's own specific weirdness you know it's the whole like when he hold he held my hand and then or like I looked in his eyes or whatever it was like I became a different person and it's like no, you fucking didn't. You can't go from zero to perfect father in one second. Everybody says that parenthood changes you, and I'm sure that it is that instant. But, like, Steve is not prepared to care for, like, I wouldn't trust him with a plant. I, I don't, I don't buy it. I don't buy it even a little bit. No, not at all. Okay, thinking back to when we were talking about, like, gay porn and how in our minds we want to see all these guys hooking up with each other, there's a moment that made me laugh, but probably not for the right reasons. There's an episode where Patrick wants to break up with a girl, but then he discovers that she wants to have a threesome, and so he holds off on breaking up with her. But then the terrible reveal at the end is that Jeff is the third person that she has in mind. And so we've got Patrick handcuffed to the bed, 
in just his underwear and like with whipped cream sprayed on his nipples or whatever and then she says like meet your new playmate and Jeff comes in and he's like posing again in his underwear and then they make eye contact and they just scream and <laughs> what's funny about that is that like it's so absurd that that would be their reaction because they, they're not, like, contractually obligated to actually fuck each other at this point. They haven't even seen each other naked. They've just seen each other in their underwear. They should be able to, like, laugh it off or maybe blush and be embarrassed and not talk for a day or two. But they <laughs> scream for, like, a long extended scream. And it's such an overreaction. It's like... <laughs> It reminds me of when Carrie Bradshaw sees a squirrel. Like, why are you screaming? It's so unmerited based on the That is true. That is true. It, it's just it's just a funny visual, though, with Patrick chained it up. It is a very funny visual. How the fuck did but... Patrick handcuff himself to that bed? Did you notice that? He's scaled at that. Yeah, yeah no, that was interesting. He, he, it it, it can't have been his first on time. Its own. Yeah, that was, that was interesting. And, like, speaking of over-the-top reactions to things... There's a moment in the episode Gotcha where Susan is like trying to embarrass Steve and so she basically like gives him a foot job under the table and like gives him a boner while the waiter's reading the specials or whatever. And this is something that I hate so much in entertainment is when someone is experiencing sexual pleasure in public and they should be trying to hide it but instead they're like doing this over the top screaming performance. Like subtlety is both more realistic and it's also funnier to witness someone trying to not show that but when they're just going like oh that wine sounds great like no no human being like i'm sorry we all learn to masturbate when we're like you know presumably still kids or teenagers and living with our parents and we know how to be quiet when we're experiencing pleasure that is a skill no. that you don't oh my use. God. <laughs> like <laughs> not to mention like it's not like she's actually able to really jack him off with her foot. Like, Unzipped he's still wearing and... pants and underwear. Yeah. And it's just going to be the heel and ball of her foot, like, kind of rubbing against his crotch. Which, yeah. I still imagine that would feel quite pleasurable. But it's not a full-on thing that's actually going to be, like, sending him over the moon. It's such a dumb, such a dumb trope. Yeah. Can we talk about the one good moment that Jane has in the entire series? It's in the otherwise unwatchable finale. Oh, yeah. So first of all, in the season finale of season one, the cupboard of Patrick's love, we learn that that Patrick has, I, I like did the math at some point, he has hundreds of VHS tapes of filmed conquests that I'm sure he didn't get their consent to do. Oh, anyway. So he has this locked cupboard where he's got all of the tapes of all of the women that he's ever slept with. And then it is revealed while he's, you know, trying to start up this relationship with Sally that he has a tape that's labeled Jane and oh no. But then in the finale of the entire series, Sally finds the Jane tape and puts it in. And the one good thing that Jane ever does is she has taped over the actual sex part and gives him a critique of his lovemaking skills. Boom! The only good line of maybe the entire show. Thank you, Stephen Moffat, for that one thing. One tiny little thing. That was a great line. I applauded that the way that men applaud. We like to take turns speaking because we're men. So fucking dumb. I know. 
oh, just another way that Jeff is wonderful. I said earlier that the episode Perhaps, 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 which is where we find out that Susan and Steve are pregnant. It's such a dumb episode, but I feel like it should have been the finale, especially since they were losing Jeff. Oh, I'm with you. I don't need for season four to have happened at all. I would have been totally happy if it cut off after three. So for stupid, complicated reasons, as a romantic gesture, Patrick has coordinated for to serenade Sally with the Spider-Man theme song because it is somehow built into their their history together. And he has enlisted Steve and Jeff to wear these Spider-Man costumes and to dance and sing along. And Jeff commits wholeheartedly. It is the last thing that he does in his entire run of the series. And he's just such a fucking good sport. And meanwhile, Steve is like a mopey asshole whose like parents made him be in the school play when he doesn't want to. He'd rather be playing football. And oh, he's such a just like fake it for two seconds and be nice to your friend who has asked you for a favor. Exactly. Uh. It's like Patrick asked you for a favor. So it's for Patrick and Sally to Mm -hmm. make them laugh and to make them happy. And Steve just gives up on the dance halfway through and says, you know, I objected to the dancing. And Jeff, the way Jeff goes, I invented this dance. I know. That's why you marry Jeff. into it. And I remember, you know, when I used to watch this, and my mom would occasionally come join me, she was never amused for a second by the show in <laughs> oh, yeah. any way. Like, oh, she yeah. would never, nothing ever struck her funny mm-hmm. except a couple things that she saw Jeff do, mm-hmm. one of them being the Spider Man dance. Oh, yeah. And the other being his his uh, his birthday strip tease. She oh, also, yes. She also laughed at that. But <laughs> I kind of feel like. That's just kind of how I feel about the show now. Because <laughs> as a yeah. teenager, I was like, I'm surprised my mom doesn't think this is funny because it's so adult and sophisticated. And, and yeah. now I look at it and I'm like, this is really stupid except for that cute guy. Yeah, no, no, it's true. I mean, like I said, we've, we've been really hard on this show. The thing that's frustrating is that there are times when it approaches cleverness and funniness. It's usually things revolving around Jeff. And there are so many little devices that I can recognize are clever. And if they were put to better use and they, or if they had more good things to say and more like insight into human relationships and, and like the battle of the sexes, is this could be such a good show it has like the elements and the framework of one but it just it just falls flat <laughs> it is visited by the melty man in the crucial moment unfortunately it is it is which is not something to be ashamed of it happens to all men it happens to lots of guys but <laughs> i do have to admit though that there is the pang of nostalgia when no, i, I get watch it. it i think about high school and and simpler times mm-hmm. before i actually started dating people and oh, yeah. you know experiencing adult shit when the idea of you know ever being with a man in any capacity was this sort of vague like mysterious thing that may or may not happen in the very distant future and yeah. i had all kinds of crazy sex antics to look forward to mm-hmm. and i was going to someday live in a city and have friends who were just obsessed with sex as I was and we would all get together and chat about our problems over a bottle of wine and there was always some attractive person who was going to fancy me Uh and it really gave me a lot to look forward to and to be honest with you I'm still looking forward to it (laughs) yeah no we have we have bonded over this it's 
I understand why people like this show because it does paint a very unrealistic escapist world that I think we all sort of wish we could be in where it's simpler and things just are the way they are even even with all of the terrible problems and with men being such shits and you know just walking boners and with women being treated as nothing more than walking breasts it would be nice if my biggest problem in the world were that my boyfriend masturbates to a tape called Lesbian Spank Inferno oh god I would love to have that problem I would love love to watch that it to with be him. my problem oh god that'd be hot i know that'd yeah. be so much fun it's the the fun silly sexy world that that we all sort of wish that we could live in uh i i get it i get it that bar is so cute i do love that bar it's always full of single attractive people you've never seen before and your five best friends yeah <laughs> oh take me there i know well thanks so much for listening so next week join us for gimme 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 Gimme, 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 gimme after <laughs> I'm going to go have a seat on my couch, which is full of entirely too many decorative pillows because I'm a woman. Yeah, take that, Steve.